Today on Locked On Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings fall to the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 in a shootout. A win streak might end, but a point streak still remains. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I'm your host, Brian Fisher. I am a podcast producer at WWJ News Radio 950. It's called the Daily J. If you find some time after this podcast and you decide, hey, let's check out a non-sports podcast, there's a good place to start. I am solo today. Uh, Scotty is working hard with the Detroit News to cover the midterm elections. So you can thank him for uh, all the timely reporting that's coming out of there. Partly thank him. The whole great staff over there, I'm sure. But, yeah, guys, he ditched me, so I'm solo. I got to talk to you about the 3-2 to two shootout loss to the Montreal Canadiens. And, it, you know, listen, I talked about it a little bit at the end of last night's show. It felt a little bit to me like a trap game in the terms, in the fact that, and I, I found this out today, and I didn't know this, but the Red Wings hadn't yet to win a game coming off of a day off. So compound that with what I had already been talking about. You're already riding a three-game win streak, and now you're going into an off day where you don't have a win coming off of an off day. It just seemed like all signs were pointing to the team coming out, playing poorly, and losing. But that's not completely true. Yeah, they lost, um, and they lost in a shootout, so they did get that loser point. And you know, we talked about it, and we said – this is a team that you should be and you should beat handily, but on the other side of the token, you know, if you're going to lose, take a point. So that's great. But the point I'm trying to get at here is, well, it sucks that they, they lost. They played fairly well in this game. In fact, I would argue they outplayed the Montreal Canadians for the, almost the entirety of the game, but there were like two key factors as to why the Red Wings lost this game. And I mean, they're basically this different, flip sides of the same coin in that the Red Wings couldn't finish on their chances and the Montreal Canadiens finished on theirs. I mean, at the end of the game, you outshot the Montreal Canadiens 42 to 32, but the Detroit Red Wings had, let's see here. I'll count it out for you guys, just so we are exactly clear. The Red Wings had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven penalty shots. I'm sorry, not penalty shots, power plays in this game and one penalty shot. And they didn't convert on a single one of them. And that is why you don't win this hockey game. And, you know, coming into this game, we had been praising how effective the power play had been recently. But this game, it didn't show up. And that's it. That's that sucks. It honestly just sucks that it did not show up because they did have a lot of opportunities. So I guess not showing up isn't the right way of phrasing it, but they didn't convert. And a big reason why they didn't convert is because they couldn't hit the damn net. Uh, excuse my language there, but, and this is the, 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 the downside that we had mentioned with this power play is the creativity with it is way up. It is super creative and they do a variation of a few different things by getting passes across between Kubelik, Larkin, Perron to set up and get that goaltender moving. So he's not expecting it. And if he does get down, get over, you pass it down low to Raymond out net front. And that's been working really well at creating chances. But the problem is, and I noticed this with the Montreal Canadiens, teams are starting to pick up on, oh, that's your tactic. 
is just pass between Perron and Kubalik or try to go down low. So they cover those passing lanes really well. So you had a lot of blocked shots. You had a lot of passes interrupted on the power play. And then most notably is just missing the net. And that's something that Scotty and I have brought up on previous episodes is it is fantastic. And I'm not knocking this power play because it is leagues better than it was last year. I will not come on here and be like, oh, the power play sucks because it doesn't. It's very creative and it's been doing a fantastic job, but it needs to convert. And converting has been a question mark. It's been hit or miss hitting a lot more than missing than last year again. But this year, tonight's game, rather, it missed a lot. And that's really the power play and the power play chances are, are the main reason why you didn't win this hockey game, why you lost three to two in a shootout, despite with the exception of the first five minutes of the third, I'd argue heavily outplayed the Canadians, but didn't win because of the fact that on power play, you just missed the net or your shots was blocked. And I get that that's when we talked about Dominic Kubelik yesterday and raising the expectation. I mean, he had three or four opportunities himself where he could have buried the puck and he just couldn't. Perron, same deal. Uh, Larkin missed the net. He hit the post. I mean, these things happen. I'm not going to belabor it too much. Overall, I mean, I, I have conflicted feelings on this game because of the fact that they did lose to the Montreal Canadiens, and this is a team you should beat. They did get a point, and the point streak did survive, and they did play very well. But you have got to convert on those chances if you want to win hockey games. And you had seven chances in this game. Seven. And then don't even get me started. The, the, I guess I'll, I'll get the negativity out of the way here in the first segment, I guess. Scotty kind of balances me out. I, I sometimes bring a little bit of a pessimistic view at times uh, to like Red Wings wins. And this wasn't a win, but they played as they played well enough that they should have won. Um, I sometimes point out the negatives and Scotty sometimes kind of like, oh, it's, it's fine. But he's not here to do that today. So Elmer Soderblom cannot be taking a penalty like he did at the end of the third period. So what happened with Matt Luff along the boards? Uh, by Yurash Slavkovsky. First of all, Montreal Canadiens try not to take a or Montreal Canadiens try not to hit a guy from behind challenge. They failed to do that in like two consecutive games. As uh, their forward Anderson just got suspended two games. What last game they played? It was a game or the game before that. So he was still serving that suspension. And now Yurash Slavkovsky did the same thing, like the same spot on the boards, different rink, albeit. And he'll probably get suspended. He got a five and a ten. He got kicked out of the game. But Soderblom got mugged a few minutes later, maybe like a minute and a half later into the third period, got hit from behind in front of the net, knocked down. And then as he was trying to get back up, the player in front of the net, and I can't remember who it was, grabbed him by the face and yanked him back. And that justifiably frustrated Elmer Soderblom. So when the puck left the zone and they were coming back, Elmer Soderblom stopped on the blue line and laid a hip check into, I think it was Arima, as he was crossing the blue line, trying to enter into the defensive zone, drew an interference on a five-minute major power play the Red Wings are on with six minutes left in the game when it started. So they would have had five minutes of the remaining six on a five-on-four power play to try to win that game, to try to take the lead late in the third. And Soderblom, again, justifiably frustrated, took a bad penalty. His frustration was justified, but the action he took following that was not. You cannot be doing that, and that's just... He rookie mentality, you know, it was a rookie mistake and I'm not going to hammer him too hard for it, but that's a learning experience. I'm sure Lalone, I, I don't know if Lalone's capable of really giving it to guys because he seems like such a player's coach, but I'm sure they'll have a sit down and talk about it and be like, dude, you can't be doing that when we're trying to win a hockey game with less than five minutes go in the third and it's a tied game. So when you come talk about things and reasons why you didn't win this game, it's, I, I can't help but tag that in as one of the reasons why you didn't win is the fact that Elmer Soderblom took a bad penalty, you couldn't convert on your power play. I mean, that those are the two 
just ginormous reasons why they couldn't. Um, it also didn't help that the defense, for what it's worth, I thought they played fairly well in this game. I thought as a team, they played fairly well. But they coming down the wing, the Montreal Canadiens on the first period, one of them came with five seconds left in the end of the first. That's a killer. You can't let a goal happen that late. But Brendan Gallagher shot a puck off Villahuso's pads twice that came up to the other side that Mike Hoffman buried. Identical plays. If you're a defenseman, especially if you're the second defenseman playing the weak side on that play, you've got to be tying up your guy. I mean, Mike Hoffman wasn't that far away that you can't be tying him up. And I think Phil Peronik was out there for one of those two goals. I can't quite remember who was out there for the other. But you've got to be able to cover your... I think he was out there for both. Yikes. Yeah, Phil Peronik was a minus two in this game. You've got to cover the guy breaking late. That's the passer. You know, your partner's there to take the shooter. You have to take the passer, and he, he didn't do that. Now, granted, it was a, a favorable bounce for sure, but that's why you tie your guy up. You take that opportunity away, and he just didn't do that. So, I mean, those were the three main things, is Montreal Canadiens converting on their chances. Is They they didn't get a lot of chances through the first two periods. The third period, they played a lot better than Montreal Canadiens did, but through the first two periods, they didn't get a lot of chances, but they buried two, I think, on seven shots on – Villahuso in the first period because you didn't cover your guy and they took advantage of those opportunities where the Red Wings struggled on the power play. So that with the Soderblom is why they lost. But when we come back, I know I've been very negative thus far. I'm pointing out the reasons why they lost because they did lose this game and you want to beat teams like the Montreal Canadiens. But when we come back, I'll talk about what they did do and what I liked as they continue to play pretty good hockey. And now they fall to 7-3-3. Three, so we got another point in this game. That's great to see. But before we can get to that and segment two and talk about Philly who so, oh, wonderful. Got to talk to you guys today about Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product you're going to want to use literally every day. Start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. Incredible. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. Supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things athletic greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third party testing in 2020 ag donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020 right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the daily, the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Let's take a moment now to talk about the positives from this hockey game. And, and there were quite a few overall. I think that this team outplayed the Montreal Canadians and it is backed up by, you know, those statistics that I love to reference all the time. Your Corsi, your Fenwick, your uh, expected goals, four percentage, 
in the first period, especially you just dominated the Montreal Canadiens, 62% Corsi four percentage, 57.89 shots, four percentage. So you talk about the shots that did reach the night. It was 11 to eight. And then your expected goals, four percentage was 59.15 that carried over into the second period at Corsi. But you know, the quality of shot attempts for and against favored the Montreal Canadians. But honestly, guys, I gotta be real with you. I thought the team played great. I thought the team played fantastic in this game. I thought Kubelik, despite the mishaps, not the mishaps, but the missed chances on the power play, came out flying again today. He had another assist. He had the assist on Austin Zarnick's goal. Let's talk about that. Austin Zarnick got his first goal as a Detroit Red Wings, and that's back-to-back games. Grand Rapids call-ups have scored goals for the Detroit Red Wings. The depth scoring continues to be a huge boon for the Red Wings. As depth continues to be decimated, more depth gets called up, and boom, they're contributing. Matt Luff um, on, what was it, Sunday night, got his first goal as a Detroit Red Wing, and now Zarnik tonight got his first goal as a Detroit Red Wing, and it was a great play. Cop got the puck behind the net. Kubelik picked up that puck and found Zarnik breaking off the bench late. No one had eyes on him. Found him late coming into the slot, and he buried it. Now, I don't expect Zarnik to be you know, the best player in the world, but through two games, the Detroit Red Wings, as a call-up, he's played pretty darn well. I will say that. And I've, I've been impressed with what he's brought in the role. Let me let me, let me me mitigate that with the role that he's brought in. He's played great with the role that he's been given. I haven't noticed him as an active detriment out there. He's definitely a guy who you could see as being maybe a healthy scratch fourth liner on the NHL level. As like It's almost as, I mean, we talked about how well he dominated at Grand Rapids before getting called up. I mean, he's definitely too good for Grand Rapids and the AHL, but it's just, he's like not quite there for an everyday NHL player, but he's good enough to fill in. Like he's exceptional type of player, him and Luff both exceptional player to fill in when guys get injured. And so it was great to see Zarnick get his first goal with the Detroit Red Wings is the Red Wings. Th- these new acquisitions just continue to produce, you know, you're not seeing it so much out of guys who have been here besides like Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond, who have, and Lucas Raymond's come alive. He scored a goal again in this game, but the guys who are here, you know, Phil Pronick's not getting a lot of sh- uh, goals. Michael Rasmussen's like middle of the pack points wise, getting mostly assists. Joe Valeno's not really doing much. Gustav Lindstrom hasn't done anything offensive wise. I know that's not really his game, so it's not fair to say that, but a lot of these returning players aren't really producing a lot. It's all the new acquisitions. And that's been great, great to see, especially as players get injured. We talked about that on yesterday's episode as well. Just the amount of injuries that have occurred and yet the amount of production this team has been able to keep on. And we talked about how long will this depth be able to continue to produce with all these injuries. And, you know, it didn't end the day. Granted, they only scored two goals for, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. I mean, the team had 43 shots on net at the end of the game. That is absolutely absurd. And they just... Let me double check on that one right now. 43 shots on that. Jake Allen played out of his mind. Jake Allen played out of his freaking mind in this game. 43 saves or shots against for 41 saves. A 9-5-3 save percentage. But Vili Huso was no slouch either. Vili Huso getting another start. You know, Nadelkovic got the Sunday start. He played well, but we we kind of knew it was going to go back to Vili Huso because he's just been playing so hot. And, you know, he let in two goals on what seven shots I said it was in the first segment there. That wasn't his fault. He he made the initial save. After the initial save, it's not on the goalie to make the second save. That's on the de- defense to clear the rebound. Now you could make an argument that maybe the rebound control could have been a little bit better there, but there was nothing you could do on that situation. He took the shooter, he made the save. Defense has to do their job, and they couldn't in that situation. So I don't blame those two goals on him. And then he shut it down after that. 
you know, he made 31 saves in this game. He had a nine, three, nine save percentage himself. Honestly, he got burned. Obviously rather he got burned in the shootout, but you know, those things tend to happen. It, it's, it's whatever <laughs> that when these things kind of happen, but I thought I, I was impressed again with Vili Huso, and he's just further cementing himself as the starter for this team going forward. And honestly, I'm for it because now while Nadelkovich had a great bounce back game against the New York Rangers with the way Vili Huso has been going, I don't see even with that bounce back game, how you can justify doing back a 50, 50 split. Like you've got to continue to ride this hot hand, especially as the schedule begins to lighten up here soon. Now you play the New York Rangers on Thursday, who you just beat in overtime on Sunday. And that's going to be a tough match. I would honestly go back with Huso, but after that you're going out to the West coast and West coast road trips are, tough on teams, but a lot of those West coast teams aren't very good besides the LA Kings. who you're going to play next week. You got the Anaheim ducks who are a bottom tier team. You got the San Jose sharks who are a bottom tier team. You got the Arizona coyotes who are a bottom tier team. And those, those are teams you've got to beat. And you know, Billy Huso, I think is going to give you your best chance to beat those guys. So while it stinks that you lost in a shootout again, the point streak survives. And if you can get through New York, the schedule lightens up. And again, no, no such thing as an easy win. In the NHL, you saw that in this game, the Red Wings played their asses off and just couldn't seal the deal. But despite that, they played a pretty darn good game. And if the schedule lightens up and they play this level of hockey, they're going to win more times than they're going to lose. So in the end, I mean, it's just, it stinks that they lost, but Hey, they got another point. The point streak is alive. You go to the Rangers on Thursday and you do your thing. Let's talk about our boy, Lucas Raymond though. Lucas Raymond scored another goal in this game. He actually did not have that great of a game, I don't think, outside of that goal. From my eye test, from what I was seeing, it seemed like he was having a lot of trouble creating space like he was early in the season and handling the puck. And that wasn't just to him alone. There, a lot In the first half of that third period especially, um, the Montreal Canadiens were all over the Red Wings and they, they couldn't get anything started or generated. And Lucas Raymond is no exception to that. But... He did score a goal off of a rebound. Or actually, it wasn't a rebound. It was a rebound of Pew Suter. And Pew Suter, who had goals in back-to-back -back games, got a primary apple on this one because he showed great hockey IQ on not immediately firing that puck, reactively firing that puck when it came out to him off the goalie, but waited, saw Raymond open across, and Raymond fired at home. Raymond now has, he's going to have, I believe, seven points in 13 games on the season. It's going to give him five goals and two assists. So he's second on the team in goals, and he's quickly rising the charts on point production on this team, and he's quickly reclaiming his, his point production and his ability and the fire that we saw in Lucas Raymond last year. Like I said, overall, he didn't have a great game, but his production numbers are picking up, and that confidence is, and you can see it with how he's playing. Part of the reason he struggled is because maybe he was trying to do a little bit too much in this game, but that's because his confidence is up. That's why he's trying to do a little bit too much. And this game, the Montreal Canadiens clearly were watching tape on the Detroit Red Wings because despite having 42 shots on net, 43 shots on net, whatever it was, they were doing a darn good job of shutting down the premium scoring chances or just stopping the passes across or the shots. I mean, and of course, like I said, the Red Wings and the shots they did have, they just straight up missed the net. But overall, man, I I, I just got to say, I think this was a fairly good game for the Detroit Red Wings. Not even, I, sorry, not even fairly good. They played really good. There's a couple other points I want to get to in this game. I can't help but like hedging what I say, you know, like they played a really good game, but I said, I can't help but say they played a fairly good game. That's just me like hedging. I do that a lot. If you notice, 
Um, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation on this game. Cause I want to talk about um, Morris Sider and Ben Sherratt who actually had a really freaking good game, a really freaking good game. And uh, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the third period. woes as that continues to be a thing. And then we'll talk about injury updates as we got a couple. So stay tuned for segment three of locked on red wings. Segment three locked on red wings podcast, more cider and Ben Sherratt had a great game and it's backed up by the numbers. Their expected goals for, let me start with Moritz Sider. Moritz Sider's expected goals for percentage at five on five in this game, guys, 90%. He had an expected goals for, and he had so many opportunities. He had an expected goals for of 0.9 and an expected goals against of a 0.1. Ben Sherratt had an expected goals for of 0.9. He also had a ton of chances and an expected goals against a 0.12. His percentage overall was 88.48. They played great as a pair. They were shut down in the defensive end and they were dominating the offensive zone. It they this is probably the best game I've seen as from them as a pair. And in fact, I mean, we talked a little bit about it. I mean, Ben Sherrod and Moritz Sider are just definitely an upgrade over what our number one pair was last year. And Moritz Sider and either Osterle or Danny DeKaiser. But, you know, they seemed at times like the chemistry was st- trying to struggle to find it and, like, on a daily basis be great. I mean, in the win against the New York Rangers, they were near the bottom in expected goals for percentage, which, again, these numbers aren't end-all, be-all. They aren't. But they help paint the picture of – you know, who contributed on the ice to shot attempts for and shot attempts against. And in a lot of games, they're in the middle or near the bottom. In this game, they were firmly at the top, firmly at the top. And it was reflected on the ice and how they played. They were being physical. They were taking passing lanes away. They In the offensive zone, they were creating chances. Like, if I were to switch this to all, I'd be a little afraid to see what it jumps to after that. Would it even come down? No, of course not. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just a 1.61 expected goals for Moritz Sider. Oh, what? Oh my Lord. These expected goals for is insane. guys. <laughs> the expected goals for, for these players is insane. So going down the list, expected goals for Dylan Larkin, 1.86, Lucas Raymond, 1.68, obviously scored, uh, Ben Sherratt, 1.61, Moritz Sider, 2.49 expected goals for when he was on the ice. Dominic Kubelik, 2.19. And this is obviously with all thing, all chances considered. This is including power play, which obviously boosts it up for the guys who play in the power play. But it just speaks to how well this team did play. They did play really freaking well, and they got a ton of chances. They just couldn't bury them. And that's, again, that's why they lost. It's just one of those really frustrating games where your team does everything right, but put the puck in the back of the net. And so... I'm not too upset. I know my first segment was focusing on the negatives because, I mean, let's be honest, there there were negatives and the negatives are why you lost. But overall, I'm really pleased with how this team played, especially given the fact that we knew coming into it that they weren't going, they, they struggle on games after days off and they are riding a three-game winning streak against good teams and now you're playing a bad team. And that does unfortunately affect players men- mentally. They're like, oh, we're playing a bottom of the t- standings team. But they came out and they played really well. Um Dylan Larkin was also top of the, I think he was all over the place playing so well in this game. Dylan Larkin, you know, that, that debate on whether or not he could be a one or a two C, I don't even care anymore. I don't, I don't even care where you stand in the debate, regardless if he's a one or a two C Dylan Larkin's a fabulous player. I love, I love what he brings to the table and he has proved me wrong. Two years ago, I was saying, man, barely a two C, barely a two C. Cause he had the, he had the slump year and these last two years, he's been on fire production wise. He's been great. I'd love to see a little bit more out of the defensive side of him. And I know it's ironic because he had that great LA Kings play 
Um, but overall, I, I'd love to see a little bit more, but he more than makes up for anything that he's lacking there, which he doesn't like a lot. Not, not, not a lot, but he more than makes up for anything he does lack in his offensive production. He's been absolutely fabulous for the Detroit Red Wings so far this season. He initially got an assist, I thought, on that second goal, but it went to Philip Peronik as a secondary. So Dylan Argan doesn't get a point in this game, but I mean, he played well. He got that breakaway. He got the penalty shot. He had the <laughs> had a chance to shoot out. He had so many opportunities to bury the puck and the whole team was just snake bitten really. So it's one of those, it's just, like I said, it's one of those games where you're frustrated. They only got a point, but also kind of thankful they got a point because they just, they deserved it. They deserved two in this game, honestly, but they only escaped one. Um, the last thing about the game itself, and I've kind of, touched on it, like mentioned it a couple times. Third period, they continue to kind of struggle in the third period at coming out with the same amount of hustle and pressure. And I know it's ironic me saying that because their expected full expected goals for percentage at five on five at the end of the third period was 65.96, which was their most dominating period in terms of quality shots for quality shot attempts for versus quality shot attempts against but just based on the eye test, I mean, the Red Wings didn't get a shot in the third period from what I could tell. I mean, that shot ticker didn't click up from, I think, 30 to what what ended up being like. It didn't go from like 30 to like 31 for like the first five minutes of that third period from all I could tell. And it was very frustrating because it felt like the, the Canadians really turned it on and were the team that was dominating in that third period. And I was just like, you are down two to one to a team that you were heavily outplaying. You come out third period and this is how you're performing. But then Lucas Raymond got that goal and things turned on. And the Detroit Red Wings just started bringing it to the Montreal Canadians, just absolutely bringing it to the Montreal Canadians. In fact, I can, I, I actually have visual proof of what I was saying on my second monitor. If you'd give me one moment here is, and this is Corsi. This isn't, expected goals for, but you can see shot attempts for the Montreal Canadiens. They were, they, they heavily tilted the scales through the first half of the third period until the Red Wings got that goal. And you can see it skyrocket up. And that's, that's why this is where I'm coming from is if the Red Wings hadn't gotten that goal, it would have been a two to one loss. You know, if Pew Suter had just reactively shot that puck rather than finding Lucas Raymond, they would have, been a regulation loss, zero points for the Detroit Red Wings. They've got to find a way to come out in the third period and play just as hard. We talk a lot about their five-on-five struggles, but we haven't talked a lot about their third period struggles. They, they do struggle a lot to play a full 60 minutes. They'll have periods where they look great, but then they'll have one period that's a dud, and I've noticed that a lot of it is in the third period. Sometimes it's not, though. Sometimes it's the second. Sometimes it's the, th the first, but I've noticed it a lot being the third period, and the third period is... I would argue, I mean, they're all crucial, but I would argue the third period is obviously the most crucial because that's the final one. I'd say followed by the first period because that's the one that's like sets this sets the bar, sets the standard for the game. And they just you can't keep getting down to nothing, and you can't expect to come back from every single game, especially if you play the first half of the third flat and then get a dumb penalty when you have a five minute five on four. I expect Yurash Slavkovsky to get a, a suspension for that. I don't think it was intentional. I think he didn't mean to catch him in the back. I, I think uh, Luff turned a little bit, but he did catch him square in the back, and that's a five-minute major every time, and that's a suspension every time. So I'll be surprised if it's not. But who knows? He was a first overall draft pick, and he's got that superstar status already plugged onto him. So we'll see what the DOPS spins the wheel and what it lands on. Um, the last thing I got for you guys in today's episode is uh, Derek Lone gives a little bit of a 
update on players. He said that Tyler Bertuzzi is about seven to 10 days away from coming back, which is super exciting because we need all the help we can get. Not that the team is playing bad. Again, they're seven, three and three, not much to complain about record wise, but they could use the extra top end scoring. A lot of the top end scoring has been evened out by the depth scoring, which is exactly what you want to say. What am I saying out loud as I'm saying it? But you want that extra oomph from Tyler Bertuzzi. You put Tyler Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, and Lucas Raymond back on that top line together. And then you can get Kubalik, Kopp, and Perron as a permanent second line. I mean, that just makes your you no know, more Pew Suter or Adam Ernie on the top line. They go back down to the third and fourth line where they belong. Getting just Tyler Bertuzzi back is a huge plus for the Detroit Red Wings. And they're supposed to be getting Oscar. I'm sorry, not supposed, but Dale Glone said that Oscar Sundquist could play on Thursday which means probable. I don't really know what to make of that. But if he comes back on Thursday, you get another bottom six forward coming back. And so maybe you can send Matt Luff, I would say down, but I don't know if he's even okay after taking that. The dude, he's gotten beaten up since coming up to the NHL. It's crazy. But um, if he's all right, he'll, you'll send him back down to the AHL or Zarnik back down to the AHL or if Luff's hurt, put him on the IR. So, you know, you're getting, you're slowly getting that depth back, which is great. Uh, he said Wallman's getting close too. I'm trying to remember when he said Wallman was coming back, but I mean, these guys, they're, they're getting close and that's, that's really reassuring to see. And so let's just, let's just keep riding it out until they come back. But in the meantime, the team's playing great. The team is playing great in the meantime. And, and you love, you just, you love to see that. Let me just double check on the timelines for you guys here. I don't have Scotty here to just continue to talk to you guys while I look something up. So I'm just going to say words because I don't feel like editing this out. So let me just continue to scroll and that didn't work. How was your guys' day? Good? That's good. Great to hear. I'm glad you guys had a good day. Let's see here. Derek Lance said Tyler Pertuzzi is projected back in seven to 10 days. Same with Jake Wolman and Oscar Sundquist. Probable for Thursday. Phil Zadine is out six to eight weeks. So yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking, but I just wanted to double check because sometimes I, you know how you get that thing where you doubt yourself? I, I started to do that. Um, Jake Wolman coming back will be a great added depth defenseman. We can start rotating him in on that third pair because they, they I mean, the rotation of Osterley, Lindstrom and Hag's been rotating for a reason because they can't figure out what's the best option there. And Wallman will bring much needed youth and competition to that third pairing and maybe make the defense a little bit better. But overall, I thought the defense played fairly well in this game. Pretty well in this game. I keep saying fairly because I keep hedging. I thought they played pretty well in this game. The whole team played pretty well in this game and I think deserved the win. But it's hockey and that happens. Um, but anyways, guys, that about does it. Thanks for listening to me ramble for 30 minutes. I appreciate it. Scotty will be back to uh, make the show better tomorrow. Um, and I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back tomorrow with Scotty, same time, same place. It's your team every day.